In today's world, many people look to financial advisors for wisdom, direction, and help on how to best manage their money. Hi, this is Pastor Greg. In this series, we will turn to the greatest financial advisor to ever walk this earth, Jesus. It has been said that Jesus spoke about money and possessions more than any other topic. So join us as we explore the best advice about this very important subject. We hope you enjoy. Let's give it up for the worship team. I, um, I think I have a new favorite song. That was, that was really powerful. And for those of you joining us online, uh, just God bless you and thank you for joining us. Uh, shout out, uh, I just, every week, it literally seems like every week I run into somebody or we get a call. And uh, just this week, uh, one of our former members, when he was just a little kid, uh, his uh, dad was tragically hit by a train um, on vacation. And uh, he's grown up, he's, a, he's a, I think, a fire captain now. And he says, we watch you. And they live up north. And it's just amazing this, the span in which this uh, church continues to minister. That's humbling, amen? That just, and like I said, all over, all over the world. So online, and uh, thank you for uh, joining us. So um, there's a few things right out the gate. It's not every Sunday if, you visit or if you're visiting us for the first time that we have cake outside. Um, so this is a special day. Um, this is our church's 48th anniversary. So I think that is absolutely unbelievable. Um, and so with that, we're just so grateful. We know a lot of churches, their doors have closed and um, over the years. And literally every Sunday, you could join us. There's a group of us that pray for the services at 830. And I, I bet you almost every Sunday, part of my prayer is, God, thank you that the doors are open, the lights are on. And um, we are blessed that God has protected West Valley Christian Church and School for so many years. Amen? And the reason we're here is because of you and, and God's grace. So there's a lot to be celebrated. And with that, that means in two years, we're having a big party. I was just talking to somebody in there, and I said something about a Saturday night. They're like, and Saturday? I said, oh, yeah, we're going to have a big meal and a big party, and we'll just do it all weekend long, and former pastors and members and all that kind of stuff. Amen? So if anyone wants to be a part of a committee for that, we're actually going to start putting that together uh, soon, because before you know it, it's going to be here. So thank you, Jesus. And so um, just so you know, um, if you don't know the rules of eating cake at church, um, there's no sugar and no calories. Um, it's just weird how that happens. Um, don't hold me to that. I'm just saying, um, eat, 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 and take it out and have, have fun with that. The other thing I want to say before I get into the message is um, we have a meeting today, and we've got two teams that we're sending out this summer, one to New Mexico, and we still need uh, people that are willing to go to New Mexico. Uh, they had a devastating fire there a few years back, and there's still all kinds of stuff. We sent a team last year, and we're going to send a team this year. Uh, but we're also sending, we're going back to Samoa. Now, I know some of you know I just got back from Samoa, and I'm actually, uh, one of the things that I did out there is I went to the village that we're going to go to, and uh, that's never happened. Uh, we've taken 10 teams out there, and every time we show up, a village is like, oh, okay, this is the pastor and this and that. So already know, um, really excited. We're going to do, a, a, hopefully, a vacation Bible school for kids. We're going to do a teen sports camp, and then we're going to do a medical clinic. And so I need help. Um, right now, I've got about five teenage boys that have signed up. 
which is amazing. And they're going to be phenomenal, but I need a bigger team than that. And uh, especially uh, we'll get some ladies on this team, and uh, especially for vacation Bible school and the medical clinic. Uh, what really, really please consider that. And right after this, right after the service at 1145 in here, we're going to have a meeting. And I'm going to share uh, for about 15, 20 minutes about what that looks like and what the commitment is and all that kind of stuff. So don't even say no yet. Maybe all of you will just stay seated and we'll be in this meeting together. But will you prayerfully consider at least being at this meeting today, 1145? Sound good? Thank you. I know. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So with that, um, we started a series last week called Top Financial Advisor. And without shame, I told you I'm going to preach on finances for three weeks. I've never done that in the history of preaching for over 30 years. And, and a lot of times when I preach, quote unquote, on finances, we do it under the skies. Not we, me. Uh, Pastor Kirby, who I follow, he had no shame. <laughs> Can I hear an amen on that one? You're just like, yeah. And God bless him for that. Uh, that's partially why we're here outside of the grace of God. But um, I, I'm, I'm unashamedly just preaching straight from money for the topic of money. The, Jesus is our theme this year. Jesus, period. And we're going to look at all everything we do this year through the lens of Jesus because there's all kinds of noise out there. Amen? And so one of the topics is finances. And usually I'll do that at the end of the year, but we're doing it right here, right now. So most of you were here last week. Good job for coming back. And because what we're going to hear is not what Rob Denton has to say. We're going to hear what God has to say. And the truth is, if the stats are true, what I said last week, 77% of people in America are in debt, which we were actually surprised at because we thought more were, right? Then, then we all need to do money better. And we want to tell money where it goes instead of our money telling us where to go. Can I hear an amen to that? And so what we learned last week, we, we looked at the topic of risk management, and that's a secular phrase, but we kind of turned it into a biblical thought of really what risk of management is, is identifying potential risk. And so we said with our money, we need to identify potential risk. And then with that, we need to prioritize the risk from the highest risk down to the lowest risk. And we need to start with the highest risk. And we said this for us as church people, for those, those of us that are Christ followers, that really want to do what God wants us to do with our money, the biggest risk is really our thoughts on ownership. Do you remember that? Like our biggest risk is, this, is this money mine or is this money God's? Because however we answer that question is going to determine what we do with the finances from there. Does that make sense? And so I said, we talked about, I said, I, we looked at God's word and we said this, lordship is where we need to start. And we learned that everything that we have is who? It's God's, everything. What does everything translate out to be? Whether it's Greek or Spanish or, or Hebrew, everything means what? Everything. So everything is the Lord's. And so if we understand lordship, that'll lead us to ownership, which says this, God owns it all, not me. And specifically with finances, money is his. Oh, well, pastor, and I talked about this last week. Oh, I work hard and I got a degree and I paid off my, my school debt and I've done this and I sweat hard for it. And, I, da, da, and that's great. I call that responsibility. I call that using what God has given you to go out there and work for a fair, honest wage. But at the end of the day, God could take that from you in one second. And by the way, the only reason you were able to get there is because of how God has gifted you. Come on now. 
Come on now. So lordship leads to ownership, which leads then to stewardship. So if everything I have is the Lord's, specifically money in this conversation, then he has blessed me with every resource that I have. Do you think that direction? Instead of, oh, I've worked so hard for it and this and that. Well, praise God, you've worked hard for it, but he has blessed you with that. Now, here's what's cool. You have the awesome opportunity and responsibility to manage it, to steward it. Does that make sense? So that's what we talked about last week, risk management. The greatest risk to us with money is thinking it's ours. So that leads us to today, and we're going to talk about smart investments. Let's pray. God, thank you for getting us up this morning. Thank you for West Valley being open for 48 years, and we pray that it will be open until the day that you come back. God, thank you for blessing us beyond what we could even imagine. God, I pray for this topic. I pray that it would, it would challenge us. It would change us. It would affirm some of us at what we're already doing. But God, you do your thing despite the guy that's up here talking. We pray that we would hear your words and not mine. Thank you, because we know all this can only be done through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. So when you look up on your phone or your computer, you look up smart investments or talk to a, a financial advisor, you're going to hear a lot of different things. But some of the terminologies that you may hear is EFTs, money market accounts, real estate, stocks, bonds, maybe even crypto. And by the way, I heard Friday it was really good for the stock market. But financial advisors, that's what they're doing. And, and there's good financial advisors and bad ones. Can I hear an amen to that one? And some of you are, uh, yeah. <laughs> some of you could say, uh, I know the bad ones. And some could say, I know the good ones. But the truth is, at the end of the day, you're trusting a human being with finances. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But if you're trusting a human being over trusting God, that's where we mess up with smart investments. The best way to have a smart investment is to start with, write this down. Principle number one, this is Pastor Rob, but I think it's biblical. I believe we're going to see everything comes from the Bible on this, right? Trust God. Write that down. That's the smartest, that's the smartest investment principle I could give you. Trust God. Let's look at the Bible and everything that we look at today uh, could be more in depth, but uh, we're just going to scratch the surface on some basic principles. Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Are you ready? Luke 21, 1 through 4. As Jesus looked up, as who? Jesus. Oh, that's so good. He saw a rich person putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor what? A poor widow put two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of what? They gave out of their wealth. But what did she do? She gave out of her poverty, put it all and put in all she had to live on. 
So all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. You see, uh, the picture is Jesus is hanging out with his disciples in the temple. And, and we can almost like if 2024, maybe Jesus is hanging out there in the corner and he's got his disciples over there and he's kind of watching what's going on here. And so they're, it, they're, they're giving their offerings. And there's uh, uh, some said 10, sometimes 13. There's different places within that, that, that the offerings were being dropped. And so Jesus is specifically hanging out. And, and, and we read this, the passage that, that, that there was this widow. And uh, she wasn't really qualified, quote unquote, to stand in line to give her offering. She was more qualified for government assistance. She was more qualified. She was like the least uh, likely person to be giving something as opposed to be accepting or receiving something. But here she is. And then Jesus is observing and he says this. He, he says the rich people are giving. And, and so, again, we're not raising hands or anything, but some of the older people, you know, back in the day in Vegas. Yeah, you're putting your heads up. No, back in the day in Vegas, the slot machines. They weren't all these, you know, quiet, you know, slide your card things. You actually had to put the coins in there. You know, the silver dollars and, and, and the big coins, you know, maybe even the, the dollars. And, 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 then, and then when you hit and you want something, do you remember the sound? Well, maybe you've seen it on a video. Cling, 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 right? And it was a, a, an empty, like, like literally shallow uh, a tray in which it hit and those silver dollars, bang, 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 bang. And you think that was intentional? So you're walking through the casino. All you hear this is bang, 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 bang. When I think about this passage, sorry, I go straight to Vegas. And I think about the rich people giving their offerings. And I hear the cling, 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 right? And it says that they gave. And that's a wonderful thing. But then, then, then you see this woman, and she gives what? She gives two mites, two copper coins, the smallest coins on the market possible, which maybe would have an equivalent value of a penny. And what does Jesus acknowledge? He says, all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, referring to the rich people. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. Now, here's something that's really important. Sometimes pastors or we uh, that would read the Bible would look at that and go, oh, shame on the rich people. I, Jesus is not shaming the rich people here, is he? I don't see him shaming the rich people. He's just saying they gave. And I would say good for them. And he says, and the assumption is he, they gave out of excess, right? They, 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 they didn't, they, they gave over the, at the leftovers, which was probably a significant amount of money, but there was not really sacrifice you kind of could assume in this, right? But then this widow that had nothing, she gave everything. And so Jesus is with his disciples and he's, 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 he's using a lesson there and he, he's, he's teaching his disciples something. But I think the big thing for us when we're talking about smart investments is for us to really look at that lordship leads to ownership, leads to stewardship. And as we're storting stuff, the best and the smartest, I think, investment uh, principles, number one is trust God. That could be hard at times, Amen. That'd be hard trusting God with addiction. It could be hard trusting God with anger. It could be hard trusting God with um, relationships. It could be hard trusting God with all sorts of things. But money seems to be a common denominator for a lot of us. 
because it's really hard. And I think part of why it's really hard is because we think it's ours. And then another reason why it's really hard is we just had not good models out there for smart investing and really how to best steward over what God has given us. Would you agree with that? I, um, I love this. Uh, one of the commentaries said, uh, one of the offerings was heard in the temple and one of the offerings was heard in heaven. Did you catch that? One of the offerings was heard in the temple and one of the offerings was heard in heaven. Again, I don't believe the gift of the rich was being looked down upon, but they did give out of surplus. Probably didn't have to trust God much, if at all. But this woman, Wow, that came weird for me. Sorry. Um, The least likely to give gave. Where did that come from? Um, I guess it comes from... um, I have a crazy heart for single moms. Having grown up with my mom, being a single mom. The truth could also be dad, for, for you, those of you that are single dads, but for me, you know, I had the, the seat, the front row seat of a single mom. And I think of this widow. Like, that's the last person. That's the last person. Like scripture says, she should be taken care of, right? And yet she's modeling, trusting God. And I'm so proud of those in our room, in our church that, that model that. Sorry. Jesus gave attention to this sacrifice. Jesus gave attention to this woman trusting, stewarding the money to the best of her ability. I made a statement in my sermon last week, and I'm going to, right or wrong, I'm not not throwing a bunch of scripture. I'm not doing a bunch of teaching on tithing. Um, If you want to talk to me about that, um, let's go to coffee. Just make sure you pay for it. Just kidding. (laughs) Um. Because I, I guess I just, like, honestly, at the end of the day, yeah, you could argue with me that in the New Testament, there's no, no tithing. That's an Old Testament, you know, thing that you do and all that kind of stuff. And, and it, you know, at the end of the day, I, I would go, oh, okay. But here, here's, here's what I would say to you. I would say to you, I don't ever see when we go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, when we go from the Old Covenant to the new covenant, the old law to the new law. I never see the stakes get lower. I always see them higher. Do you see what I'm talking about? So if in the Old Testament, tithing was a principle, give 10% back of the 100% that God has given you. 
I would just argue if we're living New Testament Christianity, maybe tithing is just where we start. And there was a hush over the crowd. But we could always talk off to the side. But I did make the statement real quick in my message last week that I said, giving 10% to God is the easy part. It's stewarding the other 90% that's the hard part. And let me say this. I do know that the 10% is not easy for everybody, especially people that weren't raised in the church, and that doesn't make sense, that have the, I've worked hard, and everything is mine, and life is expensive, and it's getting more expensive. I, I, I could argue all that stuff, and I understand all that stuff. I live in the same world you do. But I still want to say, Jesus, period. Are we going to live our way, or are we going to live God's way? And if you want to just listen to this stuff over three weeks and go, you know what, I'm still going to do what I'm going to do with my money, then that's your choice. Knock yourself out. But what I want to say is God's way is the best way. Jesus' way is the best way with finances and really with all of our resources, but I'm doing it opposite than what I normally do. I'm just going straight after the finances and saying money. So I've told you this a little bit before, and I'm going to say it again, that um, I didn't become a Christian until I was 18. And um, early on, uh, the person that was pouring into me showed me in God's word the importance of tithing. And as a college student, every penny counted, <laughs> right? And I was like, ah. And, the, and do you remember way back in the day when we would actually pass a basket or a plate? Do you remember way back in the day? Yeah, like right before COVID. Um, and, and that plate would pass, and I just wouldn't put anything in it. It was just hard, and I didn't, it's like, ah, oh, this is mine. I'm not there yet, and that's fine. That's, God grows us all. But, you know, after months of doing this, I remember pulling out my wallet. Back in the day, Velcro, you remember? Come on. Yeah. Right there, OP, OP, Ocean Pacific. Pulled out the $10 bill. And it was like I gave my life. And part of it was I almost wanted everybody to see it. Like, <laughs> I finally arrived. $10 right there. 1988. Now, but mind you, and I looked, I checked this out on the internet this morning. Because um, it, it's true. I could take that $10. I could go to AMPM gas station, fill up my 1967 Mustang tank full from empty and get change back because uh, a gallon of gas was 67 cents. Some of you are like, man, this guy's really old. And some of you are like, he's really young. I used to pay 12 cents. <laughs> Gary Millard. <laughs> Anyways, did I just say that about an elder? I'm so sorry, Gary. I, I meant, um, I won't say a name. Anyways, you, but that was a big thing. But you know what? As I got more and more uh, in college and then got a job and got more money and more money and more money, 10%, that 10 became a 20 and that 20 became a 40 and that 40 became an 80 and that 80 became a 100 and that 100 became to the point where, and I've said this, and I have no shame in saying this. It's the second biggest check we write a month next to our mortgage. And I would love to get to the place where it's the biggest check. And let me tell you something. Oh, I'm going to rub some feathers here. And that's okay. Um, you decide if it's me or God talking. When you give your 10% to the Lord, you're giving it to the Lord. 
So that means if you're given at this church or the church next door or the church down the street, you are saying, God, I am letting go and trusting you with the leadership of where this is going. But I'm not telling where it's going. If you're telling your money where it's going, it's not a tithe. And some of you are doing things that you think is a tithe, but it's serving your best own interests and you're telling that money where to go and that is not from the Bible. I knew. And that's the same for me. You know, I have all these interests in my life and I would like, you know, I'd like to adopt 12 kids in Kenya and I'd like to do all this over here and I'd love to give money towards this thing in the youth. You know, I'd love to say, okay, here's my 10%. Now I'm going to tell it where it's going to go. This organization, this organization, this thing. No, tithing is trusting God. It's giving it to him and boom. Offering is above that and now you get to say where that's going. Where's the exit? I believe it 100%. I believe it 100%. With that, so in my family, that's, that's hard because that's a big number. And I love it. Someone in our life group was reminding me of a story that, you know, a guy was complaining, but God, you know, it was $10 when I was this age and $50 when it's this age, but now it's $7,000. I, I don't, that's just a big chunk of change because, you know, dot, dot, dot you know, a month, and that's, you know, 100000 a year. And God goes, oh, I can fix that. Well, we'll give your salary back to where it was just $10, <laughs> right? Like, you know what? I, 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 God, continue to give me more, and I'm going to trust. I'm just going to just throw it up your way, amen? As opposed to the more I get, the more I keep. All right, second principle. The first one uh, we, we saw, trust God. And that's what this widow did. She trusted God. The second one is be rich towards God. And scripture talks about this all over the place. And there's passages that talk about be on the watch or be on guard towards all kinds of what? Greed. I don't know about a lot of scriptures that say be on the watch or be on guard towards But God knew through his son, Jesus Christ, to warn us that greed is one of those things that could really take over our heart. Amen? Am I the only one? But greed can take over our heart. My, my, mine, all mine, or I'm entitled to it. You say, but pastor, you just talked about trusting God even just with the 10%. Well, that's okay, yes. But remember, I said, that's the easy part because now we're left with the 90% and we need to be stewards of that too. See, the 10% is easy because we write the check or we go online and we do that kind of stuff and we just trust somebody else to administer those gifts the way God would want you. And that's where I'm gonna pause for just a moment. I am the lead pastor here. And I wanna say unashamedly that this is an area that I take crazy serious. And this is an area that God has blessed my brain with. I love to deal with finances. I love in my own personal life to get the most I can out of a buck. Uh, When you deal with me, I I, I say this, you need to make your money, but you don't need to make it all on me. So I think that's fair, right? So it's not cheap and squeak and clean, you know, like that. But at the same time, I don't want to be taken advantage of. I say that because that's how I lead the church. And I hope that's a good thing for you to hear because I know, and and this is what gets my heart. I know the sacrifice 
it takes for a lot of you to give whatever it is that you give. Some of you, it's like the rich people that in that story, it's just easy. It's just something you do. You don't think about, we're grateful for that. It's a discipline, but you don't really have to trust God much. It's just something you've worked into. And there, there's some of you that you, you give and you're like, I, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to make this. And there's been times, a lot of times, in the Dent household, a lot of times, uh, especially our first 20 years where it was hard. It was really, really hard. But you know what? God always takes care of us. Are we the only ones that have that testimony? I think I look throughout this room and, and all of us can give a testimony when we've trusted God in this area. He has blessed us beyond what we could ask or imagine. Greed. It's the desire to accumulate money, power, and securities to such a degree that it supersedes moral integrity and even spiritual integrity. Did you catch that? It, it, it gets so much to the point that it supersedes moral integrity and spiritual integrity. That's where most nonprofits and most uh, church uh, under that nonprofits leaders, that's, that's where they fall is with money. Because money, remember, is not the root of all evil, but it is a root of evil. And if we don't look at it as God looks at it, then we don't steward it the way God would want us to. And I'm so grateful for our elders at our church. I'm so grateful for uh, Sue, who's one of our volunteers that does the finances for us. I'm so grateful for Cynthia Wagner and Jackie Carter, that we're all on the same page, that whatever comes in, we look at it this way, that we have got to be the best stewards of the 90% of what God's given us. Amen? And actually, those numbers aren't true because we give 13% to missions. So you do the math then, and so I guess we get to 87%. We still have to steward it in a way that honors God. Second is rich towards God is like what I just said. That's the 90%. How are you doing that? Are you being led by the greed? Or are you being led by the trust? Are you being rich towards God with the other 90%? And honestly, I think it's hard to be rich towards God when we're in debt. I learned that for myself. Boy, when I told you we're struggling, all the financial stuff struggling, there were so many good things I wanted to give to there was so many good things. I wanted to help people on missions trips. I wanted to give stuff to the youth ministry. I wanted to go help with Hope of the Valley with, you know, the homeless stuff. I wanted to go. I mean, there's all, but your heart, my heart never matched my, 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 my checkbook. Does that make sense? And part of it was because of debt. And so now to be on the other side of no debt other than our mortgage, it allows me to be more free. And instead of my money telling me where I'm going, I get to tell my money where it's going. Amen? Are you rich towards God? And being rich is, it falls under that category of offering. Now, once we've tithed and given the 10% to God and told him, hey, 
that's yours, you, go, you do with it. Now we get to do special interest things. Things with that other 90%, if we've paid our light bill and, and we put food on the table and we've been responsible with all those things and we have some surplus, then we get to use that surplus to do what we want. And if, if the children's ministry uh, is needing a new TV for one of their rooms then and it costs $500 and I have $500, I get to do that above and beyond. Uh, and, and if I, an organization like Open Arms or Hope of the Valley or Mohi, which is uh, our Kenya partners and, and child sponsorship, and you want to sponsor 15 kids and, and you want to go and be up, you tell your money, that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to put my money towards that stuff. And it's so fun to be rich towards God, isn't it, church? It's so fun to be able to say, you know what? I can't go on that missions trip to Samoa or New Mexico, but instead I can give $100 to help somebody go on that trip that may be struggling with that. Does that make sense? And yes, I, I may not be in the operations of all that's going on in this organization or this nonprofit or this nonprofit or this nonprofit, but by God, God has blessed me so I get to go above and beyond and be rich towards God. And then let me tell you something else that's really cool. This message isn't saying you can't have stuff. This book doesn't say you can't have stuff. And we looked last week at the, 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 the rich young ruler. The, the, the discussion with the rich young ruler, like I said last week, is not the same discussion discussion he may have with you. He had that discussion with the rich young ruler because that was the rich young ruler's problem. That was what was preventing him from having a relationship with God. So that's why he told him to go sell everything. Some of you, it's anger. Some of you, it's, it's lust. Some of you, it's, it's addiction. Some of uh, you, it's loneliness. Whatever those things are that are preventing us from having a relationship with God. He would have that conversation with us. I don't think stuff is bad. Again, as long as we're telling the stuff where to go as opposed to the stuff telling us where to go. Come on. You go, what are you talking about, Pastor? I don't understand this. I used to lead our college ministry for a long time. We love doing retreats. I mean, we would do white water retreats. We'd do snow retreats and wakeboard retreats and beach retreats and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that we would do is we'd take our college students up to um, one of the lakes and we'd do wakeboarding. And we'd have a speaker at night talk about whatever topic about the Lord and it was awesome and worship and it was just a good time. And during the day, we'd be tearing up that, that, um, that lake. But one of the things I needed was boats. Uh, I don't know if you know, our church doesn't have any boats. And so... You know, back, back then, you know, there's a couple of families in our church that had boats and I would go to the family and I'd say, hey, man, we're going to have this retreat for the college students. There's going to be 30 to 50 of us. I would just love if you could bring your boat up there. I will pay for all your expenses. I would just love for you to be the driver of that boat and just teach people how to ski and how to wakeboard and, and just have a good time with us. And year after year, these families would say Yes. Now, that's crazy to have 30 to 50 college students on your boat, okay? And, and they don't always necessarily see the value and take care of things and treat things properly. And we would teach them and train them and tell them. But still, I loved it because these people that God had blessed them with a boat and they probably worked really hard and this and that didn't, weren't possessive of it. Mine, 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 all mine. Does that make sense? Some of you have timeshares and some of you have beach homes or some of you have you know, a motorcycle or some of you have a, a, a lawnmower. Whatever the thing is, stuff is not bad, amen? 
But if, we, we are, if we're working two and three jobs so we can accumulate stuff, some guy was telling me how all of, he, had, he worked in a company where all these guys were just working all these extra hours and they were getting the RVs and they were getting the sec- homes and they were getting all the stuff. He goes, but their families enjoyed it, but they never did because they were working so hard. Is this making sense? I want to be rich towards God. How about you? I want to be rich towards God. I don't want to be greedy. Hmm. I have so much to say. I got to keep going. The last investment principle. So we've learned to be rich towards God. We've, we, we've learned to trust God. And the last one that I'm going to give, I mean, there's tons of them, but uh, Generosity. I think that's a smart investment. Invest in being generous. That's one of our five core values at West Valley Christian Church. Generosity, um, fun, excellence, life change, and team are our five core values. But generosity, we have a rich history of being a generous church. 48 years in this valley. And I want us to be more generous than we've ever been. And part of that is done through our tithes and offerings and, and what we do. But I even want to be more generous. You don't know this, but we get requests all the time as a church from all sorts of organizations, a lot of good organizations. And we need wisdom on which one is best to, to, to be the best steward of what God is, is giving us to honor him. But I, you may not know that. We, we've got all kinds of requests. And so the more money that we have, the more requests that we could fulfill. Amen. I want to be a part of a generous church, but a generous church is filled with generous people. And West Valley Christian Church is known for its generosity. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one. And now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich, what? Rich, what? Generosity out of their poverty. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond what? Their ability, they urgently are entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to who? The Lord. There's that Lordship. And then by the will of God also to us. They had the right priority. Second Corinthians 8, 9. Jesus modeled this. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became what? Poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. And lastly, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 12. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves what? For God loves what? For God loves what? A cheerful giver. And then you go on to verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity results in thanksgiving to who? 
Church, I want to be generous. How about you? I want to trust God. I want to, I want to manage his, his, his resources he's given me well. I want to be rich towards God. I want to be generous towards God. And there's so many examples of where people have been generous to me. And I pray that I've been generous to others. And I want to be more generous. And I love this example. Uh, I was at a pastor's conference a couple weeks ago, and I don't know, a couple hundred pastors. And one night I'm at a table, and, and, and we got talking to one of the men, and, and he's not a pastor. And I thought, okay, this is strange. And so he goes, tell me what you do. And he goes, well, listen. He goes, I used to be a pastor. He goes, I got burned by the church. It wasn't a good experience. But that doesn't mean churches are bad. It doesn't mean God is bad. He goes, I just, I went back into the, the world and uh, I, I started flipping real estate and I got really wealthy. <laughs> and he literally said that. He goes, I, I, everything I touched turned to gold. And I said, oh, okay. He goes, and so I had all this wealth. He said, but you know what? I knew what it was like to be a pastor and most people don't, you know, and he gave all this stuff and he goes, and so I wanted to, I wanted to help pastors. And so he goes, I, I started this nonprofit and he goes, every year I rent out a resort. I'm like, what? He goes, a resort. Cause I want it just, just for, for, for me and the pastors. He goes, I bring pastors and their wives and I pay for everything. And last year, I did it in Puerto Vallarta. Uh, this year, it's in um, Orlando. He says in, in 2025, it's in um, Dominican Republic. And he goes, I just bring worship teams out there, and I bring speakers that all it is is just to fill them up. And I'm kind of doing some of the math in my head, and I'm sure I came up really short. He's spending millions and millions of dollars on helping pastors be encouraged. That's pretty awesome, isn't it, church? And you and I all know people where they're not just buying more and more houses for themselves and building up a kingdom, but they're getting the stuff that they need that could bless others, but then they're using their resources to help out a lot of good causes. We call them nonprofits in a lot of cases, amen? Our nonprofits would not exist without people that were generous, that weren't generous, amen? That's one way in which we could be rich towards God. I got so many more stories, but I better stop because you want cake. <laughs> and I'm gonna be generous and just let, tell you you can have all the cake you want. Let's pray. God, there's so much more stuff, as you know. But just this stuff, just help us to continue to grow in our understanding of lordship, in our understanding of ownership, Help us, God, to, to grow with these smart investment principles that you've given us, to trust you, to be rich towards you, to be generous. And I pray that you've sparked something within our hearts or affirmed what we've already been doing. God, thank you for being generous to us. In Jesus' name. All God's people said. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Your tender mercies and your love that you've always shown me You forget all Billion.